0: Hi all. You're listening to the Get Centered podcast, presented by the nonprofit The Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges. I'm your host, Wendy Fralick, Executive Director of the Center, and we're coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Charles Owens. Charles is a member of the Center, and I've invited him here today to share his story with us. Charles, welcome to Get Centered. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate being welcomed as well thank you very much <laughs> charles tell me about yourself where'd you grow up
1: uh, i grew up here in tulsa oklahoma
0: you have a big family yes ma'am tell me about that
1: my mom she had three kids my dad he had a lot he, <laughs> he was a rolling stone so i put it that way
0: <laughs> i think charles was trying to count on his fingers
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so you had did you all live together in the same house?
1: Uh-uh. We was we lived here in Tulsa and some of my siblings lived in uh Oklahoma City. And our main base was in Muskogee. Okay. So we all met up and grew up in Muskogee. So
0: Okay. And then you were athletic when you were a kid? You were rambunctious when you were a kid? What were you?
1: Uh, I was more rambunctious. I tried athletics, but I kind of took more under rodeoing than athletics. Yeah. So
0: let's talk about this rodeoing. Okay. When did you start that?
1: I always had a love for horses when I was younger. I think pretty much ever since I came out the wound, you know, I had cowboys in my family. I had steer wrestlers and calf ropers in my family, so, you know, it was always a love for horses and animals there, so.
0: So, I assume you started just by riding and not rodeoing? Yes, ma'am. And so, what did that look like? Were you going to a stable and you were having lessons, or were you just going finding wild horses and jumping on them?
1: No, ma'am, you, we was family, you know, we would all have family gatherings and somebody would bring a horse and let all the kids ride and that's how somebody
0: know. would just bring a horse
1: yeah one of the family members so yeah. just
0: lots of family members with lots of horses
1: right somebody okay. somebody's gonna bring a horse and <laughs> all the kids gonna ride so yeah
0: so how old were you like when does this start like when do you start getting on a horse
1: uh this was this was even before i can even remember i remember my family getting together we all had a family reunion in clearview oklahoma it's probably about 30 miles southeast of oak muggy okay yeah it's no stores there it's just people and family
0: someone had a horse yeah and you got on that horse
1: yes ma'am
0: Okay, so now you get older. I mean, it's one thing to see horses when all the family comes together. It's another thing to end up rodeoing. So right. how do we make that transition?
1: Well, I mean, my uncle, he was in a roundup club. So I would go with him to the rodeos, and I would see him in parades. And after the parade, parades, we would go to the rodeo grounds to camp out, to eat, and get ready for the rodeo
0: so i'm gonna show my naivety with you i don't know what a roundup club is
1: okay
0: so what's a roundup club
1: a roundup club is like a car club motorcycle club it's just a club with horses
0: so people come and they're showing their horses right okay right so you're going and you're watching him rodeo or you're just watching a rodeo yeah
1: you're watching the rodeo
0: so he wasn't rodeoing
1: he would set what you call like the pivots. It's it's usually about six cowboys in the arena where the rest of the cowboys come in and that is what you call a snake. And they set pivots for the snake and all the cowboys would come in and say their prayer inside the rodeo arena and exit. That's what he did, set pivots.
0: He set the pivots. For the riders to come in on their horses, ride around those pivots, and then exit the stadium. Right. Okay. So that was his role. Right. Now let's get to how you got into the rodeo. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right
0: now, we're just watching.
1: (laughs) Just really, I, I mean, I always wanted to rodeo from watching Fred Whitfield to, I mean, Cody O to, I mean... Justin, B- I mean, Justin, Brazil, I mean, it's, it's a lot of good cowboys, so.
0: But somewhere you got to learn. So where did the learning come in? Or did you literally just get on a horse, go out in a stadium, and start rodeoing?
1: No, you learn. I mean, I always had friends, family. We raised cattle. we just learning here and there. I mean, then you grow into the love of it, you yeah.
0: So the first time you were in a stadium rodeoing was when? What year are we talking about? How old were you?
1: I was probably about twenty. Okay. I want to say the first, the first actual rodeo that I made a highlight in was the Cowboys of Color, and and that was in probably about two thousand and seven. Okay. Yeah, it was on tape and everything, so.
0: And how often were you riding in the rodeo? Like what would that look like for you?
1: Every weekend,
0: every weekend,
1: every weekend. I loved it.
0: So was that like your job or did you work in addition to this or were you like, my whole focus is rodeoing?
1: No, my rodeo in life was a hobby. Okay. Yeah.
0: But you would do it every weekend,
1: every weekend.
0: So you talk about this one that was videoed and is a highlight, you know, during your rodeoing career what's the one time where you're like, that was it. That was the time that I think marks my point in history in this event.
1: We was here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We was at the fairgrounds. We was at the Rodeo Cowboys of Color. And, you know, I was with a team called the Tulsa Outlaws. And uh, anytime Tulsa and Oklahoma City get together, it's a big competition. And uh, we was racing some guys at the city or whatnot. They calls our group in, and at the time, I was like the vice president or whatnot, and we coming in, we making a good showing for Tulsa. And if a person never seen Pony Express, it's an eight-man team relay, and it's with a baton, and you pass it off from one to eight riders, and the eighth rider puts the baton in the can. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, uh, well, at the start of the race, my jump man loses the jump which that's no big deal but at the same time we're trying to keep pace and you know trying to basically win for Tulsa Well, during the race we behind so once we get behind and it's my time to get the stick all I can remember hearing is somebody screaming my name and you know at the time you in your hometown you always want to show out so you know I got the baton and made the pass and that was like one of my biggest highlights
0: that's amazing. So, yeah. did you guys win?
1: We didn't win. We took second <laughs> place, but that was good, good right? enough. It, it felt good. Yeah, it sent us to the pay window. So, you know, it felt good. Yo.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, rodeoing ended up being the reason why you're in a wheelchair today, right? Yes, ma'am. So, how many years from when you started to when you got injured rodeoing? How long was that?
1: From actual competition, I want to say Probably about seven, eight years of actual competition, but from just going from a child all the way up I still I went all the way up till 2021 before I got sick and you know I plan to go back to rodeos next year so well, we'll
0: talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Let's talk about rodeoing, ending up with you in a wheelchair. Like, what happened? What was the story there?
1: I was in a in Oklahoma City at a Wild Horse Arena, and we was running an event, Pony Express, that night. It was probably about nine o'clock, ten o'clock that night, and we always say a prayer before we go in the arena. You know, we did that and. Like I say, it was just like another normal night. You know, I went out there to get the baton. And at the time, my saddle slipped sideways. And as my horse was taking off, you know, I hit my head on the pole. And I fell off and dislocated C5 and C6. And at the time, you know, it was just like a sting. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So I just said a prayer for my family and just prayed that everybody would be all right because I didn't honestly know what was going on.
0: And so that sting ended up being what?
1: A dislocation of C5 and C6, a spinal cord injury.
0: Which is a spinal cord injury.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: And we talk on this show about paraplegic versus quadriplegic paraplegic again is someone who normally is loses sense from the hips down waist down right quadriplegic can be from the neck down chest down where what is what they call your situation
1: they call me a quad as far as because I force you know I lost my legs and you know the uses of my fingers mm-hmm. so that will be considered as, as a quad
0: and So how has your life changed, right? I mean, here you were every weekend running the rodeo circuit. You were doing this as your hobby. You had a life outside of that. All of a sudden, which is what it sounds like, you hit your head, you fall off a horse, and everything's changed. So what does that look like?
1: Yeah, life changed drastically because I go to work working for Webco Industries where I was working anywhere from 40 to 60 hours a week. I had my online service. Then I had about 20 yards. Then on top of that, I drove a gooseneck truck and trailer for my uncle, H&H cleanup. So, you know, I was working all the time. And then, you know, when I wasn't working, I was rodeoing. Mm-hmm. So that was my life.
0: And so then how did life change?
1: Oh, it was just like, it was It was like stopped at an instant. You know, everything was like learning how to start all over again. Like a brand new baby, really. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to learn how to feed yourself. You know, you got to pretty much learn how to do everything over again. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what was the date of your injury?
1: June six, two thousand and nine.
0: So previously on this show, we have interviewed a mekanaka. Yes, ma'am. Who was injured in a football incident?
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: And what did you tell me about? Something that you and a Mecca have in common?
1: Yeah, Mecca, we got a lot in common, but the main thing, you know, our day was on the same day. We got injured on the same day, and that kind of made me and him share a bond together. And that's more like kind of like our birthday together. Mm-hmm. That's how we kind of look at it like another day that we celebrate, you know.
0: Celebrate. Let's talk about that. Wind that up for me, we I don't, think. We
1: don't celebrate behind the injury, it's celebrating because we overcoming the injury, you know, getting better at our situation and just trying to make the best of life, yeah.
0: So you talk about how this changed instantly. Just explain that. For our folks that are listening today, What does that mean? How long is this process? Is that still part of the process now what does this look like for you from that day on a daily basis to today on a daily basis?
1: Oh, yeah. um, Like I say, it was a big change and it's still a, you know, a day to day process. I mean, because you got to really plan your day out, you know, when you get injured like that, because you got different people coming in and helping you and just different things going on. So it's changed a lot. Like it's changed a lot.
0: And you come to the center pretty regularly. Yes, ma'am. When did you become a member though?
1: I want to say about 2010 because I went to a couple other places. I'm not going to name, but. I mean, I just didn't feel like they was for me, you know, and I kind of took a hold of the center and I just stayed with the center.
0: And then you were going here when the center closed for COVID, correct? Correct. And then the center reopened and you did not come back for some time. So I love this. So it ends up that Charles ended up coming back in the last six months. Is that about right?
1: First of the year, January.
0: Okay, so a little longer than that. But everyone's like, Charles is back. And I'm like, I don't know who Charles is. And everyone's like, how do you not know who Charles is? Charles, Charles, Charles. So I walk into a room, and then what you told me your name was David, Chris, Joe. I don't know. (laughs) So now I'm like, not only do I still not really know him, but now I'm not going to ever know his name, which is not the truth. I know your name. I get to see you quite frequently now, yeah. which I love. We adore having you here. Thank you. But what has the center meant to you in your recovery process?
1: Man, the center is like a hidden treasure. And I say that because people can go up and down Utica all day long and pass this place and never know what it it is or what it, it does for people. So that's why I always call this is a hidden treasure until they come in and see you know what the center got to offer
0: and what does it have to offer what do you in your mind what does it have to offer
1: self-esteem self-esteem building up character i mean just the center got a lot to offer you yeah.
0: you have a social network here again everyone knows you yes ma'am that's how i learned that you were back because everyone knows you you and Emeka are friends, and you see him here. You've built other networks here. Staff adore you. But in addition to that, when you come here, I know what you do. But for our listeners, what do you do when you're here?
1: I go to the fitness center. I mean, that's, that's what I love. You know, I, I, I like the fitness center because when I can go in there and I can work out three, four hours, and I can go home and eat and lay down, I know i'd accomplish something for the day Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and you utilize a wheelchair yes ma'am so we call it an accessible fitness center what does that mean for you as you're navigating with a wheelchair
1: really that it gives you ideas because when you're going out in life everything is not adaptive accessible so when you come to the center you know, even like the the button machines, you know, mm-hmm. the pressable doors. Yeah, you know, that, that gives you ideas like the, the water fountains. Or even when you go to the bathroom, how you can make a sink raise up. And, you know, so just being at the center, it gives you a lot of ideas. Yeah.
0: And then the fitness center specifically meets your needs how?
1: Mm, I, I love it because I can go in there. I can stand up. I can work my legs. I can work my arms, chest, back, whatever.
0: So you talk about standing up. Right. If anyone's familiar with spinal cord injuries, you simply just can't stand up out of your no. wheelchair. So how are you able to stand in the Adaptive Fitness Center here at the center?
1: They actually got two good brand new standing frames. Then they got an older standing frame, which I I like to use it. So, Everyone I mean,
0: loves the old standing Yeah, frame.
1: so I mean... <laughs> You can stand up three ways here and like I say, I just like the oldest standing frame is just
0: So a standing frame, just for those that don't know, is a piece of equipment where you're able to stand and there's support on your backside or right. around your waist to give you the stability to be able to stand. Right. And what are the benefits of being able to get into a machine like that?
1: That's 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 like a lifesaver because standing up, it helps you with a lot of different things, circulation, bone density, bowels. So standing up is very important.
0: And it's one of the opportunities that is difficult to get, I would imagine in your daily life outside of the center. Correct. So I know you like the standing frame. You also, I believe, use our electrode machine that allows you to hand and or foot cycle. Is that correct?
1: I use the Motomed, which it do got electrodes on it, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's good for spinal cord patients. Yeah, and I want to say Christopher Reeves used one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So-
0: Yes. And so these machines allow electrodes to be hooked up to your arms and or legs. And those electrodes get your muscles pulsing to be able to cycle again with your hands or your legs. Right. And, you know, I know from talking to our members here that for our folks with spinal cord injuries, that's really important to be able to move these muscles in a way that you normally don't get on a daily basis. Correct. So what are some of the challenges you feel like you still face? Like what, what do you feel like you're still trying to overcome? Or is there anything like I've been, I've had this injury for years and I feel like I've done what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at the point in life, you know, it's like, I don't had this injury, you know, just like for a while now. So I take it now is, is to share the information that I know to other people that's you know new to spinal cord injuries or you know just new to being disabled because you know i had to have that experience with a guy by the name of nate waters he came in and gave me the same advice so i don't mind you know sharing with other people or even going to the hospital and talking to people so you know it's like I say, I think I'm in a point in my life where I can just pass on a knowledge or get a game to somebody else, you yeah. know. So
0: And life is still good, right? Right,
1: yeah, life's still good. You know, I'm still able to pretty much, you know, do what I want to do, move around town. So, you know, just
0: So one of the things I hear from members is how community members without a physical challenge pity them. Do you find that you get pitied?
1: Yes and no. Some people do. Like if you just meeting them, like if you out on the street or you know you might be at the bus station. They hey how you doing? You know and you know they might pat you on your shoulder. You feel kind of pity like oh okay. <laughs> but I mean like sometimes when I go to church, you know some of the older people, you know they might but. Yeah, sometimes I feel pity, yeah.
0: And so when you say you go to church and some older people might, what does that look like? What you mean? So if you have an older person at church and what does it look like from them that you're like, oh, they're pitying me. They're they're pitying me right now.
1: They, I mean, you know how older people is. They, they always want to make you feel special in some kind of way, whether they're giving you gum. <laughs> Uh, Don't tell me you're
0: getting gum and peppermints and I Jolly Ranchers because you're in a wheelchair.
1: <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I got cakes, lemon cakes, for probably about three months. <laughs> and I think that's what started putting on a lot of this. So I was have to come back to the center. Yeah. yeah.
0: So when he says a lot of this, he just he just patted his belly. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I got for those
0: that didn't have the visual on that, I wanted to give it to you. Yeah,
1: I got lemon cakes for about three months straight. every is that your
0: favorite?
1: They, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> they
0: are now. Yeah, they are now. Or they're not now.
1: I mean, this lady. I mean, she was a she's an older lady. She'd make a cake for everybody in the church that got a birthday that month. But the cakes would be about this long. <laughs> And the extra one, she would just give, and she would make <laughs> sure she could give me one. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's, that's hilarious. So when I think we talk about some of the challenges that you face now, I think one of the questions that folks often have is, so how does he go to the bathroom? Right? You're in a wheelchair. You cannot stand. So what does that look like for someone that's paraplegic or quadriplegic? And is it different?
1: Yeah, it's different because a lot of people got different it's several different ways you can go to the bathroom. Some people got bedpans, some people got side commodes, some people, you know, just using their bathroom, but I use a bowel system. So, you know, where my bowels is trained and you know where I'm not having accidents or nothing like that. So,
0: so I want to try to understand what this means you have a tube
1: no ma'am i just try to use my bowels every morning and i just try to do that so when i'm out and about there's no accidents or none of that
0: but what about urinating because obviously you can't just hold it all day
1: right i got a super pubic it goes through my bladder and i go get it changed every three weeks okay and if you don't get it changed every three weeks you can cause to mess with your blood pressure. It can give you UTIs, can give you infections where you can even even die from. So it's very important.
0: And so that again is that tubing that goes into a bag. Yes ma'am. You empty the bag. Yes ma'am. Whenever you need to. Yes ma'am. So you were starting to sweat a little earlier and what were you telling us about that? Why were you starting to sweat?
1: Oh, I knew it was because of my bladder was backing up and it just needed to be empty. And that's just, you know, something I have learned since I've been in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Just kind of little different tricks like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And when a person is, like, first injured, they wouldn't think, you know, that far. they probably be pulling on their shirt or, you know, trying to guess what's going on. But, you see, I went right to the problem, and it was, like, sh- mm-hmm. stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I will also mention that you do a lot, and Emeka does this too, this stretching side to side in your chair. And in fact, I'm not sure if our listeners can hear it, but your chair squeaks a little bit. So if that's what anyone's hearing, that's what it's from. But what makes that need to have to stretch like that? And it's pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, it just makes us stretch work because we in these chairs from sometimes from 8 o'clock to past eight and you know from eight to eight that's 12 hours and just to be sitting you know that's that's a, that's a long time so every 15 to 20 minutes you might see us lean to the side to side and that's just stretching muscles just yeah. trying
0: to move them out again
1: right and sometimes if you see us recline the chair all the way back or tilted all the way back you know that's adjusting blood pressure so
0: and how do you transfer from your bed to your chair and vice versa? Does someone assist you with that or are you able to do that on your own? Yes,
1: ma'am. My mother assists assist me with it. I think if I would have stayed with it, you know, when I first got injured, if I would have stayed just constantly working out, which I had got to the point where I was able to transfer by myself, working with a lady by the name of Haley McDormand that worked here. You know, I would. To this day, I still be able to transfer, which I know I can still transfer, but my <laughs> but mom someone's gonna me. help. Yeah, mom <laughs> gonna put me right the bed. Yeah. So.
0: And you talk about going around town. How do you get around town? Obviously, you are in an electric wheelchair, so you have your wheelchair. But if you wanted to go a farther distance, are you using a bus? Do you have? an accessible vehicle are you getting using the Tulsa lift service like how are you getting around town or do you not
1: uh, I use the Tulsa lift service I mean I don't had I don't had a van which I actually sold it I sold it the first of this year but I, I don't had a van and really I like the Tulsa lift service because I like to be independent like when I look at the clock and I'm ready to go I'm ready to go so yeah that's how that's how I look at it
0: but the tulsa lift service you have to wait for them so how does that make you more independent i'm sorry using-
1: tulsa transit nobody. oh
0: tulsa transit so yeah. you are using like the bus system yes ma'am got it
1: not the lift the bus. you're
0: out of here you know what time that bus is going to show up you're going to go there you're going to access the bus using their ramp system yes, right ma'am. and they're going to get you in there and take you to where you want to go
1: yes ma'am that
0: makes perfect sense that makes perfect sense so do you have a favorite memory of being at the center? Is there something where you're like, that was a day? That was a day.
1: I can, I can, I I can say, I mean, I got several different memories, you know, at the center. I can remember from the first time I, I came here and I came here just to look around. And my mom, she had brought me up in here with her HHR. So if you can imagine trying to pick this up and put this in the HHR. The first person I met was Bradley. So he was, he got to hooping and hollering about taking the wheelchair out, the HHR, and you know how it can get with him. So, you know, that was a memory. I mean, I got, I got a lot of good memories here. Yeah, I mean, and never really no bad ones. I
0: love that. So how do you get centered at the center now? You've been coming here for years. How do you get centered at the center?
1: You get centered when you you get in that gym, you get focused. That's how you get centered. Go in and don't stop till the day is over with. I love that. Stay centered. Yeah.
0: Charles, I appreciate you being with us today. Oh, there
1: ain't no problem.
0: You're a rock star. I appreciate you.
1: Uh,
0: and uh, I
1: appreciate the center. Thank you. Yeah, thank y'all.
0: That's all we got for today, folks. Thanks for joining us. Stay centered.